0: It's episode 18 of the Improv London podcast with this week's guest, Jonathan Funkhouse-Monkhouse. This ain't gonna be easy. Welcome to episode 18. I'm your host, Stuart Moses. And this week I had the very great pleasure to speak to Jonathan Funkhouse-Monkhouse. There are many, many interesting things about... uh, Jonathan funkhouse Monkhouse, and uh, one of those is his work as an improviser off stage, as well as his improvisation on stage, and uh, that gives him a, a different perspective from maybe the people we've spoken to so far. So, I uh, very much enjoyed exploring that side of things, and uh, we also hear, we also hear about what he would like the uh, future of the uh, London improv scene to hold. <laughs> Welcome, Jonathan Monkhouse. <laughs> hello, hello. Monkhouse, oh, that's me. To the podcast. Uh, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. How how do you prefer to be addressed? Uh, uh, that the full the full, the full Jonathan Monkhouse. Yeah, house, yeah, monk yeah. House, all those syllables? All those yeah. syllables yeah. throughout. that that is how I would address you. Yeah. Throughout the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, John's fine. John's fine. Okay. John's also fine.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see how we we'll see how it goes. <laughs> if my name comes up, we might not. It's just there's just two of us here. <laughs> um, so <laughs> if you're trying to
0: attract the attention of any particular person, is, is uh, that, uh, <laughs> and there the isn't me, uh, the, then um, do you find um, your name's often used for that? There like, was, hey, I saw a
1: fact recently. of uh, fact recently that there was it was something in the like in the 16th century or something about. Something crazy like 35% of British men were called John.
0: Oh <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, I can <laughs> it was believe
1: like that. It's like such a common name. Oh well, if there was any, there's any way of making me less interesting, uh, <laughs> it's by giving me the same name as a third of our nation, <laughs> or a third of the males of our nation. Maybe it's women as well. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Might have
1: been a female name in the olden days. This uh,
0: this podcast isn't about facts. The listeners, they can look up up facts themselves We hear about opinions and things that that we think (laughs) Now, um, in the past I've done a lot of uh, interviews with uh, bands And one of the unwritten rules of interviewing bands is You never ask how they got their name Oh, okay I'm going to break that rule Oh, really? You're going to ask me how I'm called John? Yes (laughs) (laughs) So that was
1: my parents' decision Yeah, Uh, did they think long and hard about it? I don't know. I, I, all I know is that if I was a girl, I was going to be called Christina, huh? um, which is my sister's name. And that's a name that my dad. Uh, there's a woman on TV, a character on TV called Christina that my dad fancied. Really? So, uh, so Which I find a little bit odd. So yeah. my sister is named after a woman that my dad fancied off the telly. Yeah, now you mention that. That does seem. It's a bit strange. But I, I jumped that bullet. Jumped the bullet. I jumped that train. Good. And landed on a bullet.
0: Wow. And that bullet had John written on it. And that. You had a bullet with your name on it. <laughs> yeah. Right, instead of killing you, it named you. It named me. It's something amazingly poetic. It's like I'm in a Wild West film. <laughs> cool. I have. Um, I have done research. <laughs> That's frightening. I don't want. I don't want really to mention it because. How deep has he gone? Not that deep. Okay. Uh, but I don't really want to say that because then there may be other people I interview and I haven't done any research oh yeah yeah. so um, you know yeah. but I um, just to explain that I have a piece of paper and if it's the right piece of paper it will have a few things great that I uh, if it's the
1: wrong piece of paper that's also exciting
0: well that's very nice You're of gonna, you to say you be
1: like oh so in 1984 <laughs> you were elected president of the United States of
0: America wrong wrong Jonathan wrong, Funkhouse Monkhouse. Wrong, wrong one wrong one there are so many in history yeah. do you ever get confused with <laughs> Look, there we are. There we go. There are Jonathan Funkhouse Monkhouse. Amazing. I'm not going to look at those questions, so don't no. surprise me. Okay. Well, I will start with a, a brief story. <laughs> okay. Is it a story about where we are? <laughs> oh yeah. We should do the who, what, where. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so who? Who? Uh, John. John Stewart. Hi Stuart. Hi John. <laughs> we are. We are outside at the Miller. We are at the Miller because okay. we thought this would be the optimal audio recording system. system. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> but just just to put it into full context, we're on a sofa outside the front of the Miller because that's the quietest place. Mm. But it's not about the the volume. It's about this being one of the epicenters of improv in the UK, right? Yes,
0: that's, that's the right. reason. That's yeah. why we're here. <laughs> yeah. You're a man that's that can do technical things, and I admire that. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Finally, it's a recognition. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, that's true. In particular, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about uh, the the doing the tech. Because I believe that, is that the phrase you use in the business? I'm doing the tech for a show.
1: I am working on a better phrase, but at the moment that's the one that I use. Right, what, um, what have you got
0: for better phrases so I don't
1: far? know, I feel, specifically with improv, I think... Um, uh, I like the, I like the uh, technical improviser Right. as yes, a, as a yes. title, but it's a bit clumsy. It doesn't all work. Because I'll, I'll be writing to an, an email to someone and I'll be like, um, te- I'm, I'm technically improvising.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not
1: really. uh, which, which is sort of yeah. a double meaning, uh, one of which is sort of a bit snide, and um, <laughs> I'm technically improvising. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, but what I mean to say is, I'm technically improvising. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I do
0: the tech for a bunch of stuff because um, I, I took my first step into the world of uh, being a technical improviser. Yes, right I night. saw that. Congratulations. Thank Welcome to much. the club. It was. I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, I wasn't doing a lot. Yeah. You no. Know? Uh, I was. It was the um, the Hoopla Advanced Long Form Improv Showcase. Yeah. Catchy title. Um, and. Um, and I just thought, oh, I'd really like to just know what it's like to be behind the desk. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I was mainly uh, uh, mainly uh, there was one slider. Do you call them sliders? Uh, f- I depend.
1: Yeah, if sliders works. I us- I usually call them
0: faders. Faders. Um, I like faders. I'm going to call it faders. Yeah. So there was one fader yeah. uh, for the volume of the uh, MP3 player. Correct. That I yes. In. That would work. And yep. then I had another fader yep. for the lights to yep. go brighter and dimmer. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, that went pretty well. Great, well done. <laughs> well, it went that is, that's,
1: the step, that's the first step. That's two faders. <laughs> next, next time, have four faders. What, what, and then, what do the other two do? Oh, well, um, <laughs> I mean, they can do all sorts of things. One could be a microphone. One Ooh. could be the colour blue. One wow. could be a smoke machine. Wow.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm playing
1: your mind. There's That's more, amazing. It's more, than,
0: it's more than just on and off. It's quite amazing just doing on and off, to be honest. <laughs> It'd be amazing if I'd made a
1: career out of just turning stuff on and off, <laughs> like a like a gas man. Well,
0: I'm uh, here to turn it on again. All right. I mean, there was there was a sign. There is a sign on the the uh, desk. Yeah. Did we call it the desk?
1: Uh, yes. Call yep. it the
0: desk. Yeah. the Miller, which says, "Do not switch this on or off unless you're a member of the Miller staff." Yeah. That's fair enough. It's delicate equipment and it's expensive. So, I couldn't actually have turned it off even if I'd wanted to. So the ability (laughs) to turn these things on and off is not to be, you know... Wow, it's a super dark art. Uh, It was dark, (laughs) in a very literal... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's a darkening art.
1: (laughs) Uh, And a lightening art. And it's uh, about getting those in the right place.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, different colour lights had not even occurred to me. That's, yeah. uh, I'm on the first step of the journey.
1: That's 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 how I'm able to make a career to yeah. me, a, of it. People don't even imagine that there could be a red light somewhere. Wow. Yeah, and I'd switch one on and it blows people's minds. I'm just hearing about wide it. My open. mind is blown. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, l- yeah, uh, let's talk about uh, the music, which I think is probably the smaller side of things than the lights. But sure. Um, yeah. I was, I was ill-prepared. Right. I um, All my life I've wanted to inflict uh, music, I mean, play, people, yeah. music. No, it is, is, it is inflicting. That's what we call it in the business. Oh, it is. That, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, you, you inflict them. music. Yeah. Um, because uh, Katie said, oh, you know, you can, if you've know, got some music. I said, yes, I've got some music. And I just thought, this this is inappropriate. Uh-huh. This is This is not going to get everyone in the party mood. Yeah. This is my podcast. Yeah. Oh, I wonder... <laughs> No, not <laughs> not not really the first, subtle advertising. Not not on my first gig. No, I'm not going to no. start playing the podcast. Fair today. Enough, yeah. yeah, I was I was
1: once doing a, a I do corporate tech. That's where I uh, that's where I can afford to eat. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was once on a job that was in a it was in a secondary school, and it was it was it was some charity thing, some big charity event, and uh, and I was setting up and I, I was doing sound for that event, and. Um, and I just had a sort of random playlist playing while we were setting up. Uh, now there's a there's a there's a live show that you may or may not have seen or heard of uh, called Dirty Fan Mail. Right. No, uh, I which have not. is uh, it's 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 in, it's an incredible thing. The guys bought out a CD, um, and it's uh, this guy whose sister was a Page Three model. Right. Uh, and she started. She got she got lots of fan mail from very, um, bari- from fans of varying levels of misogyny uh, um, and she used to give her fan mail to her brother and this guy turned it into a show which was the show was just reading out fa- this disgusting wow. fan mail uh, in various different uh, uh, genres and with musical styles and stuff nice uh, now so I was at this event I was setting up for this event at a secondary school and um, and let, let's just say a, 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 even on even on the level of dirty fan mail, this was in, inappropriate. I uh, started belting out of the PA, and I was on the other side of a, a, an enormous school hall. Uh, You're so,
0: across the room, going, "No!" Yeah, so it was, it was
1: it was like a sentence and a half of quite foul, uh, revolting stuff uh, before I managed to get to the fader and uh, and mute the hell out of it. But... Um, I I don't think anyone really it, luckily there weren't many people because we were still setting up but yes. it was a it was a eye opening <laughs> moment I thought
0: oh well I'm going to be fired now so that's great <laughs> mm. so do you have um, do you have a music always with you that yeah. you just like so is it a bit like being because it's not <laughs> there's no dance floor so you do not having to keep people dancing sure Yeah. but yeah uh, what are you what are you trying to do what's your what's your go to What's your wham? What's your abba? <laughs> is it wham and abba? Um, I,
1: I I don't have one actually. I sort of have a challenge, and this is this is a personal challenge which uh, is only ever noticed by very few people. Especially if I'm taking a short form short uh, show, um, or maybe if I end up taking theatre sports. Although an amazing technician called Tom Bacon is currently taking theatre sports. Uh, I love him, and uh, I, I, if he gets ill, then I will gladly do it. But um, but he's amazing. Um, I I. The thing I like to do is, find during a scene, I will find a track that's relevant to the scene Ooh. to play when I take the lights out. Nice, yeah. Um, which is noticed by uh, a, a fraction of a few people. That is... that. Is, but occasionally it's noticed, and, uh, and, uh, and you might get a little round of applause or something. Or someone after the show will go, Oh, was really cool when you played... Um, there was a scene about lizards, and then you played "Everyone Walk the Dinosaur" afterwards. <laughs> I noticed, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna—that's amazing. I'm gonna go home and have a little thankful cry. My my um, my work here is done." Yeah, yeah. So that's what I like to do. I, I do have a couple of playlists and stuff, but it depends on the show. Like if I'm if I'm taking a big party show, like a short form thing, it's just all cheesy disco. Right. Yeah. I'm really into Taylor Swift at the moment. All right. Yeah. <laughs> which no. I've just admitted on a podcast. No, I'm
0: proud of it. Uh, just anything like that, and um, I can tag her when uh, I tweet yeah, about so, Taylor so, Yeah, so,
1: yeah, just make sure get that the, Taylor get Swift, Swift fans on she's, board. She's 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 just she's running out of fans. I think she's probably think so. dipped below about twenty or thirty million. Right, okay. Uh, fans and on you're Twitter. i thinking my so.
0: podcast might just yeah. I think send if she know, right if you could just give her another couple of hundred. If Jonathan Funkhouse Monkhouse uh, <laughs> likes, her, um, yeah. the United <laughs> Improv People of London will unite behind you.
1: John Monkhouse endorses Taylor Swift you're welcome Taylor
0: (laughs) so um, yeah so if so if that's if you're soundtracking a short form show if you were doing something long form is that when you bust out the
1: uh... Um, it totally depends I really like creating playlists for certain shows so we do so Project 2 who's my main group we do a monthly show called Geek-Easy and every every geek easy has a theme. And part of my job before um, before the night is to make a playlist of relevant music for that theme. Cool. So recently we had a Wild West one, so the entire playlist was um, sort of old Ennio Morricone nice. uh, uh, sort of Western soundtracks. We've had um, we did one last uh, late last year, which is about uh, children's TV. So the entire playlist was all children's TV theme tunes, that kind of thing. So I really like I, I really like collecting music that's relevant to the show that I'm doing. Yes. And if 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 it was a, a genre show like a, like the nursery are doing now um, or. Uh, you know, my, my main inspiration is Parallelogram, the phonograph. The guys at the Hideout in Austin. Uh, shout out to those guys if you're listening. Uh, they probably are because they've become a fan since uh, uh, Journeyman Mark Tingle. Uh, <laughs> there you go, Mark. You're in. Um, if uh, <laughs> because he's such a ambassador for us now in Austin. Um, uh, yeah. So the stuff that they do, like they have really genre-specific shows, and I really like making a playlist. It's it's all part of the theatre, as far as I'm concerned. Of, uh, of walking into a venue and, and ev- everything from the moment you walk through the door uh,
0: it, it's possible to make that support the show that's about to happen Yes, I'm really interested in that sort of production side of yeah. things of just, you know, of, of that little bit that's kind of why I wanted to do it last night because I wanted to just even have the idea of what can we do that's just going to make this feel a little bit more magical, a little bit more special Yeah,
1: yeah And I love that, you know, I I come from a sort of quite theatrical background as well, Um, and and working on, like, uh, teching for sketch shows and stuff, that's really become part of it as well. Like, um, uh, uh, specifically, uh, Massive Dad, when I was teching for their show last year, um, they had this kind of underlying Tron theme uh, throughout the entire, it's a sketch show, but it it was kind of held together by this sort of loose Tron electrode, Theme type stuff, so all the music, or you know, as much as possible, the um, between music of the sketches and stuff, all became like daft punk, Tron, uh, <laughs> like electro, like big and, and and to create the party atmosphere as well, yeah, because yeah. um, it's all big beats and you know, really, really, you know, gets people into it and excited, and yeah, I, I i love that. I love i love if finding all of the ways that you can support the show, yeah, um,
0: uh, with with technical stuff as well, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the interesting things I found from last night, it was coming back to that technical improviser idea. Yeah. It was just, can I just have something that can fade everything to black in all situations when someone says something really funny? Because once you've done <laughs> that, once you've done that for a stage, it's really quite addictive. Yeah. And you think, I mean, I wasn't doing many edits last night. As basically, yeah. it was the you know we were doing um, the living room. And, okay yeah um so it's basically after about 20 minutes i'm yeah. waiting for the big laugh just to fade it out at the yeah end, so uh which was perfect for my first time but it was like sure, yeah yeah i i was engaging with the show in a different way yeah from being on stage as part of the action or even being part of the audience it yes. was a weird middle ground yeah
1: I, I guess yeah it kind of is because you're not you're not always second guess like you're not Uh, when you're on stage you're sometimes second-guessing or you're trying to see ahead Um, and and obviously you are providing the material as well Uh, and that's less of a job when you're doing the tech although I'm sort of pushing for it to be more a job of the technician as well I think that because you can if you're in a a well-equipped theatre that's got good lighting like uh, doing showstoppers we were always in big theatres we had a really big lighting rig um, with loads and loads of options um, so you you when you've got that available to you. Oh, and when I'm doing ostentatious, um, I'm sure we were going to go into that something. Um, if, if you're in, if you're in a big venue and you've got lots of different lights and effects and stuff that you can use, you can actually make offers to the people on stage oh, as well. Yeah. And uh, if I'm I'm, so, I'm I really like the relationship between on stage and off stage improvisers working together. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and a show I'm working on with uh, Jonah Fuzzle. Yes. Um, uh, we're, we're looking we're investigating that relationship so that one thing is feeding the other and then that, and that it's like it, it's, it's a dialogue between off stage and on stage improvisers yeah m- m- um, more than it necessarily you know has been in, in the past that's um, really exciting to me
0: yeah I was and I was thinking along those lines um, Alistair from City Improv yeah uh, City, City Impro Ooh. Um he said something about I can't remember who he was performing with now but he said oh why don't you sing a song about that or something like that? Right. And I'd have loved to have had some music just to have come in. and I Yeah, just, yeah. You know, or had some beats if someone was going to rap or, you know. Yeah. It was beyond so, me from the first time but I So like... I
1: do have, you know, Spotify is an amazing thing, but also a massive iTunes library, but it's, you know, I, I do have a playlist that is just backing beats. Yeah. So if so if uh, if there's not if someone doesn't leap to a microphone and start doing that amazing white person beatbox that, <laughs> that, that improv is uh, world famous for. Um, <laughs> if someone if someone doesn't do that then I do have this this is so yeah, so it's As as I think, a good tech backs up the improvisers and makes them, um, uh, and their job is to make them look amazing. Yes. Um, And just do that from the back of the room in this kind of like hidden little area with a you know some a couple of computers and a couple of uh, varying desks and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Because the the nearest they got to that, there was a moment where. Uh, someone said something about there was a, this whole thing about um, light being in people's eyes, uh-huh. and I'd realised I hadn't actually put up the lights quite as much as I perhaps should have. So uh-huh. I was like, very slowly, just moving it up. Yeah, yeah. And then they said something—I can't remember—they said something, and I reacted by kind of flickering the lights or something like that. Yeah. Um, it was like I thought, well, I'm—you know—there's so much more I can do, but this kind of feels like you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. When you, when you, I mean. I am. I'm by far not the most uh, dexterous lighting improviser out there. Um, I would say. Uh, There's uh, Damian Robinson. Uh, Rob, Damian Robertson. Sorry, that car was interrupting me. <laughs> um, Damian Robertson is a phenomenal lighting improviser. He is. He's. He's absolutely more technically um, uh, adept than I am, um, and and is quicker at running like more complicated lighting desks. Yeah. Um, than I can do. Uh, uh, yes, I, I think basically what I'm looking for is a is a mind controlled uh, AV system. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, so that's that if I think of something, then <laughs> uh, then the music plays, the lights go to that, and then and also uh, it immediately downloads a suitable video from YouTube and plays that on a massive screen.
0: Nice. Yeah. Uh,
1: that would that would be the perfect. I mean, yeah, I would be the perfect. I, I think so I so that so I I can react as a technician as quickly as. Uh, an on stage improviser can react yes. with, with with their mouth yes, yeah. yes. Yeah.
0: That, that would be ideal I think <laughs> um, we're a way off that I mean you know they've already done it with the fighter jets in, uh, yeah they're working as, I mean it's maybe it's not so far off yeah. <laughs> I mean I just think they've got their priorities wrong because <laughs> I think <you laughs> they know, could lighting be. desks yeah. are much better for humankind than fighter jets they, yeah oh yeah lights, I, I mean I lights not really fight lights well. not <laughs> fight <laughs> Um, sounds, <laughs> so, sounds,
1: not rounds of exactly. ammunition. Yes. Yeah, nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. like, that's such a specific uh, uh, kind of charity
0: campaign. <laughs> Lights, not fights. We would. <laughs> people, <laughs> people in the performing industry against war. <laughs> but specifically improv yes the, the tens of us getting together once uh, we've, once we've got Taylor Swift back on track then we'll take on war yeah yeah in that order she might
1: even help us out you know yeah, she's, she's you got scratch me. my back Taylor I will uh, you know I'll help you out
0: you scratch my back I'll help you out that's, <laughs> that's how the phrase goes I think I think you know yeah. That's, that's that's a very reasonable offer, and if Miss Miss Swift declines to respond, well, that's that reflects poorly on her. Yeah.
1: Oh, but she the the problem is if we ever fall out, you know, if the improv community ever falls out with Taylor, um, she's going to write a song about it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, which could
0: go I'm either happy, way. Really. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I that's think true. That, yeah, that yeah. Advertising of uh, I think those she. <laughs> What were the words? No, sorry, that was. She, a really she, can, she can
1: redo that. I like to improvise. She can redo. She can redo the theme to this
0: podcast. Uh, what? I don't like to improvise. Oh no, London. no, not anymore because we fell out.
1: <laughs> oh Taylor, come back to us, Taylor. She hasn't gone. She hasn't, okay, she's only yeah. gone in your imagination. Oh, that's true. Yeah, she's still with us. Okay. Oh, I'll hang on to
0: that. <laughs> She's not actually with us with us. No, no, no. But she could be. She could be, yes. She hasn't, uh, she hasn't said that she hates us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So, uh, that's uh,
1: sound and light. That's oh, yeah. Amazing. We covered... We did uh, We did a lot of sound. Actually, as a technician, sound is actually quite a small uh, part of it. Unless, uh, like, uh, the most complicated one was uh, Showstoppers, because that had a live band, and, uh, you know, six or seven people singing. Um, that that was fairly complicated, but um, but uh, but generally sound is sound so far has been quite a small part of yeah. um, of improv, um, yeah. And the the show I'm doing with Jonah is is called, will be called Wired, uh, with an amazing cast, um, um, uh, and that will be looking at that and seeing how we can make it bigger. Yeah. Oh, we are we have talked about lighting as well. Uh, a little bit yeah lighting's way more important uh, currently in uh, improv yeah um, because it is it's it's helping with the wear yes if you know if, if people are in a cave
0: you make oh. the lights blue yes. standard guys well I, I was just <laughs> uh, thinking I'm going to make the lights dim but putting them on blue that's uh, blue, yeah, that's it's, nice this, this comes from a kind
1: of the theatrical background that I have and, like, if you, and I, I don't I don't I don't know if Sort of uh, a layman goes to a sort of non techie person goes to see theatre and notices the tech, or, or if, it, if, if, it's doing the, if it's doing the best job, it's yes. like a film soundtrack, you, you don't, don't notice it, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you just experience the feeling that it yes. gives you. And I think that, yeah, like a soundtrack, the lighting should really be the same, um, uh, it's just supporting what's happening and, and sort of emphasising it, making it more theatrical. Um, so yeah, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe people don't notice it uh, as much. I, when I walk into a theatre, the first thing I look at is the lighting rig,
0: yeah,
1: uh, or any any tech if there are screens or anything like that, and I'd start sort of working out what's about to happen. <laughs> uh, that's just because I'm a nerd. Um, uh, yeah, so that's so that so that's it. It's about supporting what's happening on stage. That, that that's the thing that the audience is looking at. So you just help that out as much
0: as possible. Um, yeah. so, so you mentioned with uh, Showstoppers, this was a very specific um, technical set of requirements. Yeah. What, what was it like working with Showstoppers? Uh, it was really good fun. They are
1: they are so driven to making this um, uh, this incredible show, and they've obviously su- succeeded. <laughs> yes. Because um, they've they've had this. Uh, I, 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 kind of sadly and it's due to um, time constraints and being too busy doing other things but I haven't I haven't really done Showstoppers in about two or more years now um, but it was really it was just really nice to be on a like going to proper theatres with uh, this sort of well recognised show that was improv yes um, it, that and and I'm so pleased that they got these kind of what's now like They've had sort of uh, one and a half. I think they're halfway through the second one. um, West End runs. That's like it's 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 credible theatre now, or or understood by outsiders to be credible theatre. And they've been nominated for an Olivier Award now, or or maybe even more than one. Uh, And I just think that's like when if you work that hard, then you do deserve to get that. I think. Yes. Um, And it's and it's nice that it's been recognised by mainstream. Theatre practitioners and press and stuff, else um, out, outside of Edinburgh, because Ed, like they 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 got a really good following in Edinburgh. But Edinburgh's this weird bubble of um, of kind of theatre and improv and, and comedy and and sort. It's 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 his own world, and it sort of doesn't count to the outside world, although it can make famous people out of it. But um, yeah, no, uh, Showstoppers is great. It's a, it's I think it's a really important show in. Like the history of British uh, improvisation. Um, when when books get written about how how ars how uh, yeah how our scene happened, then they will be, you know, they 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 will probably they they should have a chapter.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think yeah. Them uh, them and ostentatious. I think.
0: So when you're teching for showstoppers or ostentatious. Yeah. Um, this is um there's an ongoing narrative it's kind of it's it's what i'm trying to think about is how so when a scene changes or when a song ends yeah and they're moving to the next thing yeah how from your position are you reinforcing that or making offers are you listening to the music or I don't know. Just I'm interested to know. Do you know where they're going to go next?
1: Um, do you have an idea? Not, not any more than an, any of the on-stage improvisers, yeah. really. Um, I mean, Austin and um, Showstopper's are really different shows. Um, a, a lot of Showstopper's scenes will finish on a song, yeah. um, which Austin doesn't have. Uh, Austin is a is a very free-form format. Um, showstopper's is, is is, is free form in that it, it's not it's not got it's not like a Harold it's not a, a planned out thing beforehand but it does uh, but it does have elements like songs yeah um, that are kind of uh, usually scene enders um, I think uh, basically I'm an, because I'm an improviser because I'm an on stage improviser I see doing the tech as just being an improviser right so I'm I'm reading the end of scenes sometimes calling the end of scenes uh, sometimes reacting to what's going on stage just as much as any of the on-stage improvisers are doing. Yeah. Um, and and th- uh, thankfully, I have experience doing both, uh, so I think that's helpful um, in making me better at supporting the show as a technician. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. So yeah. So there's so there's not like yeah there's not there's there's no knowledge that a scene's ended. Yeah. Uh, regardless of the format or company, but there's but there's the ability to read uh, what's happening on stage and react to it and, and being an improviser it makes me less fearful of that when I when I would do when I do corporate work yeah it's it's really strange to me because the corporate uh, live events and things they they want everything nailed down to the exact second sometimes yeah. and they don't understand that Some sometimes my response to it sometimes my response to um, uh, to pre-planning is is oh I'll just react to what's happening on stage, yeah. and that terrifies some people because yeah. they're like no but we've got a script down to the minute like yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'd pro- yeah I'll, I mean I'll have it in front of me yeah, but yeah. mainly like that can change that's you've written a script and then the show is going to happen in in you know it's starting in an hour what if someone doesn't make it to the stage what if someone trips up what like. Yeah. I, I mean, these, I mean, those those are, out those, those are disasters. Yeah. But like this, this script is sort of irrelevant. It's not going to take exactly thirty seconds to some for someone collect. You know, if it's an award ceremony, it's not going to take thirty seconds for someone to walk from the back of the room uh, to the stage to get their photo taken. It's going to take eighteen seconds or forty-nine seconds. <laughs> so there's like, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. So that terrifies corporate people, but it keeps corporate
0: stuff interesting for me yeah Uh, yeah cool so let's uh, let's uh, travel back in time cool (laughs) using our minds okay done it's 1994 what happened in 1994 Uh, what did
1: happen in 1994 Uh, I I would have been at home watching Red Dwarf
0: Red Dwarf (laughs) I imagine Red Dwarf did you not find that depressing? Red Dwarf? Yes. No, Red Dwarf is amazing! Not even the first season. There no! These people trapped in this... They're the last people in the world, and they just irritate each other. And it's like, is that not hell? Um, I I suppose mean, I'm the not ir- saying I'm
1: such. The but. irritating thing, yeah. But like, that's sort of my dream. Imagine being the, one of the last four beings. That would be cool. There's a lot of rubbish beings. There is <laughs> It'd be that- great if there were less. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's my (laughs) terrible Nazi. Um, We should have less people. Um, No, oh no, I love Red Dwarf. I sort of like that. I like that they were pioneers in their own way. Uh, They were the first characters. Yeah, the characters. Yeah. Red Dwarf was great because I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of TV as a kid because my parents thought it was super offensive uh, and were, were really uh, touchy about that kind of thing. But they were perfectly happy for me to watch Red Dwarf. We watched strange. Red Dwarf as a family. Wow. That was a family show in my house, despite wow. I wasn't allowed to watch uh, Doctor Who because it was too scary. I wasn't allowed to watch, um, oh, I, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> Our two family shows uh, were Red Dwarf and Men Behaving Badly. Wow. Uh, they are not suitable for nine-year-olds
0: no uh, although when you're nine you take different things from it that yeah absolutely you, know, yeah. you see it in a different way yeah oh that's true so um, but you know weird yeah
1: uh, and bottom bottom was the other thing
0: I had um, I had bad experience with uh, Red Dwarf Just. Oh, because... I'm sorry no, it's just, it's did you watch it like out of order uh, no, not so much. Okay, so, so first of all, someone described it, the first season to me, as being like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. And I thought, this isn't anything like Guide, Hitchhiker's mm. Guide to the Galaxy. I mean, I suppose it's more like Hitchhiker's mm. than some things. But yeah. It's still yeah. not... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. more like that than... No, yeah, yeah. If, if you have
1: a great love of Hitchhiker's Guide, then you're waiting for towels and vo- towels and vogons, I suppose. And, uh, and dolphins. <laughs> like, it's not as... It's, yeah... Yeah no, yeah. I can see why they said it, but I also can see why
0: it's completely wrong. Yeah. Um, And uh, also, uh, this is. uh, (laughs) I've started now, so I'll finish. This is not. This is not going to be the highlight of uh, the interview. Um, (laughs) It um, was when we were talking about Taylor Swift, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I think we peaked. The peak (laughs) dead.
1: We can find another peak. Taylor.
0: Taylor. Taylor, come and save us. No, but I think it's important to have those bits which aren't as good we're just going to push through them I'm just going to finish saying this thing now <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. Uh, no you could be, be onto something yeah well I'm not really because it's a very personal uh experience of uh, Red Dwarf but sure uh when I was at university I ran the film society yeah um, and my friend my friend Mark uh would never come to any of my film showings because it was on the same night as Red Dwarf and he wanted to stay at home and watch Red Dwarf and that annoyed no wonder. Me.
1: <laughs> no wonder. There's there's like a post-traumatic
0: stress disorder thing. It just really annoyed me. Oh god. <laughs> those well, are, neither of those are good reasons not to like Red Dwarf. I do see that. Well,
1: well, I don't know. Yeah, it's you know it's the it's the emotion that is attached to that series. <laughs> Mark, if you're out there, like con- get in contact, no, say it's, sorry, it's and, this, and then Stuart can enjoy
0: Red Dwarf it again. Was a, it was in a you know it was in times before you know we could record. We could record things. I don't know why he didn't record it. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't think he wanted to come to my Film Society meeting. Mark, forget it. Don't get in touch. You're an (laughs) arsehole. Oh, never mind. We're travelling back in time. Yeah. Oh, Uh, yeah. Perhaps move a bit forward beyond 1994 to 2001. Oh, Oh, you, what happened in 2001 so, <laughs> I don't mean the film because that just happens uh, very slowly has, uh, a lot not much happens very slowly uh, do you so, like 2001 the uh, film
1: do you know what it's not as much as I should being a sci-fi nerd um, I think it's a little self indulgent and nowhere near as good as his other movies um, there's elements I like to it like about it um, but yeah, no, I don't think it's as great as everyone says, what and I've that never that? listened to it with a Pink Floyd vinyl, <laughs> so uh, I don't really know. I don't really know if it's fully. Uh, I think that's part of what you have to do. Is it? Is is that right? Is it? Listen, you watched 2001 with Pink Floyd,
0: well, Dark think, Side
1: of the Moon, on? I think. Or is that Wizard of Oz? It's Wizard of
0: Oz. Oh, okay. I mean, I was just thinking you had this rule about any film. You just like, put, <laughs> put dark, You just really love Dark Side of the Moon. I can't, I can't fully enjoy any film yeah, unless i has like got Pink Dark Floyd Side on. the Moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, it's like that with Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Oh, you know, uh, it was uh, like that with um, the, uh, the Transformers movies. Yeah. Uh, none of them were improved by Pink Floyd. You could probably um, play Dark Side of the Moon a couple of times each time. Yeah. I mean. It's so long. Um, so two thousand so your is your research is, is was listening to the podcast that Chris did.
0: Well I did listen uh, to it. No, I, well obviously <laughs> when I recorded it, I was listening to him. I mean actually yeah. I nipped down a pub and had a pint and came back when he was finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking for another show, Chris Mead. Uh, I very um, I'm very happy with <laughs> I'm so a... you,
1: uh, two, uh, let, let's get back in, on track, Stuart. Come in what,
0: on. In what uh, way was 2001 significant <laughs> to your improv story, Jonathan Funkhouse Monkhouse? Well, um, yeah, it's quite funny because uh, my
1: origin story is so similar to Chris's. Not just origin, but like uh, um, stuff that we've done since. Um, uh, but yeah, so 2001, I was in, in Edinburgh uh, doing a show with Chris. What and was that show called? It was called The Mystery of Edwin Drood. <laughs> right, yes. Um, I remember him which saying that. It, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. If you want details, go back and listen to the Chris Mead podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, but basically, I, I was in a venue in, in Edinburgh, uh, and in the same venue as us was Baby Wants Candy. Um, so I ended up seeing their show a bunch of times, uh, which involved me having my brain exploding a a few times because i didn't really understand i knew i knew of whose line is anyway at the time um but i didn't like i never never even considered longfall i never heard of it i didn't know that it was a thing uh so i saw this show with these guys and it basically i just thought they were superhuman (laughs) i didn't like i I couldn't understand that this was a skill that a normal person could learn it it just felt like oh these guys these people have superpowers, yes. and they can make a musical happen, um, and also make it funny and make sense, and uh, and you know make everyone in an auditorium sit for an hour and have painful uh, laughing muscles. <laughs> I think that's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah, the one in the stomach. It's a laughing muscle. That's a technical term. Yeah. So they just did this amazing thing, and then, um, but I kind of, but that but that was it. There was there was sort of saw that that was amazing. And then it ended, and I know Chris had an association with them, uh, you know, for a few years after that. But I kind of, this was at the time that I was at university and uh, doing a theatre course, which I hated. I um, I really, I, I, really, I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid, um, so I went to university and did theatre, and then my theatre course I did not enjoy. Uh, and vowed to never go on stage again wow. but it did make me discover the offstage stuff so I ended right. up doing set design and lighting design and sound design for uh, everyone else in my year and I'm really loving that and that's how I got into technical stuff Yeah. Um, so I, ve- I basically vowed never to go on stage again and didn't for seven years or something until uh... uh Uh, Chris and Nikki Kidner dragged me to uh, what what turned out to be a Hoopla improv drop-in workshop run by Steve. Uh, Steve Rowe, uh, (laughs) at Hoopla Steve, uh, on Twitter. No, is he? Is it not at Hoopla Impro? Oh, maybe it's at Hoopla Impro. I'm sorry. Uh, Check the notes of this podcast. (laughs) It'll be in the show
0: notes. It will be in the show
1: notes. Yeah. uh, so I got dragged along to that which there's, there's, a, there's a longer story that involves breaking up with a girl and then falling in love with another girl and, and that kind of thing um, so yeah
0: I got I, I got dragged I can't help but think that's the more interesting story <laughs> it probably is um, so I got uh, is, is it really painful no it's not painful at no, all I'm so essentially
1: uh, <laughs> it's boring if it's not painful okay it's super painful it's like stabbing a knife in my eye brilliant. Um, do uh, <laughs> in every detail, then. <laughs> no, so I, I was going out with this one girl. Uh, we broke up uh, to uh, while Chris was in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Fringe. Was that the reason? Uh, so I went. I was like Chris. I phoned Chris and I was like, "Dude, I've got to get out of London. Uh, can I come and visit you in Edinburgh?" So I went up there for four days. During those four days, Chris took me to a hoopla short form show that wow. was going on. Yeah. Um, in that show there was a girl that I was like wait she's hot maybe I'm gonna be okay um, uh, and then and then after Edinburgh uh, went to uh, went to the first uh, hoopla drop-in class and there was another girl there who uh, people who know me will know who that is and if she's listening hiya Um, uh, we get on really well now so it's fine Um, but uh, there was this other girl there who was like oh my god she's amazing Uh, and so basically I I I I went for the girl and stayed for the improv nice uh that's how that's what got me into improv i, I believe. was i was bas i stuck around i went to class after class after class hoping to impress this girl uh um, did you impress this girl uh for a while yeah Good. That's uh,
0: nice.
1: yeah and uh but but then but fell in love both with uh the person and the art uh, and and uh, you know and I'm still doing one of them. Oh, no! that's... oh, god!
0: No. Oh, that was that was. I mean, to be honest, you've made my talking about red dwarf look quite good after that comment. So I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> that was an unintentional pun. I, I, don't really, oh. I don't really like puns.
1: No, I don't like that one. I apologise. That was awful. I meant. Oh dear. That's thrown me. Uh, so uh, improv, yeah. So I fell in love with improv uh, in that whole process, and uh, and um, uh, and uh, and still, it's a huge part of my life and probably will be always. Uh, although it has improv has actually weirdly improvers led me to enjoy other art and comedy forms. Really, a lot of people. I think a lot of people come into it where they are. There's definitely like a, a, a bunch of stand-ups and a bunch of uh, sketch comedians and probably a bunch of sort of more theatrical actors and stuff who are now coming into improv as a device to help them right. with their with their existing art form. Yes. For me, like I said, I was out of it for eight years, seven or eight years. Um, fell in love with improv, and now that's got me into uh, uh, into the world of character sketch. Um, uh, and and theatre. So I uh, now I'm involved with, you know, a bunch of uh, amazing comedians and sketch artists and uh, theatrical people who uh, are really at, like the, the top of their game. But I've come into it from improv because that yeah. was it was it, that, it, it all came through Carryad, right? Yes. Uh, the uh, the incredible Carryad Lloyd. Uh, have you? Read uh, who?
0: Sorry. So I was just saying, if you listened
1: to our interview with Richard Herring yes yeah amazing she's such a good ambassador for improv i think in in the, sort of the world of mainstream comedy um she's she's really you know uh, got her got a foot comfortably in those both in both of those places um but she but i was up in edinburgh some some years later after my big empty uh, uh culturalist void um <laughs> uh, uh doing a uh, a month run in Edinburgh with uh, Music Box, and I knew I was going up with Music Box, and uh, I, and had on Twitter had basically said, "Oh, I need a technician for my solo show that I'm doing." Wow. And I'd seen Carrie on stage, and I was just like, "Well, I don't, I didn't know her. Yeah, i would yeah. never met her or anything. Yeah. I'd just seen her on stage, and thought she was brilliant." Um, and uh, I was just, I just sort of like, "Well, I'm going to be up there anyway. It's a time I can do. I'll, I'll tweet this." Yeah person back um, and ended up teching her her first solo show which is the one that got her the, the Fosters nomination. Yeah. Um, and all the, you know, recognition that she deserves. Um, so I ended up yeah just teching the show and getting to know her and becoming friends with her and then that 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 is the exact moment that's led to me now checking for an enormous list of just amazing like top of their game, incredible improvising improvisers and comedians. Um, and why I go back to Edinburgh every year and tech a stupid amount of shows. Yeah, just because I love it. I love I love the people. I love I love seeing the process, um, and, and being involved in uh, for some shows in the process of creating these amazing shows. Going up to Edinburgh and supporting those shows, whether they're improv or or some other kind of um, uh, comedy, and uh, and just yeah, just I I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I, I love uh, teching comedy and improv as much as I love performing comedy and improv, um, which is a really nice place to be. Yes. Uh, How do you stay sane in Edinburgh doing all this stuff? I don't think there's any point in uh, trying to give you the impression that I do say, stay sane in Edinburgh. <laughs> um, it's it can it can be quite a, a roller coaster ride, uh, Edinburgh, but. I am lucky because I'm not because most of the time I do go up and do my own shows as as a performer um, but most of my Edinburgh time is supporting other people's shows and and in that regard I end up because I'm not I'm I'm not up there to sell I'm not selling myself I'm not out there flyering I'm not uh, for me necessarily there isn't as much of a worry about how many tickets I sell or tickets that show sells um in terms of the financial side of things which is obviously a really wearing part of Edinburgh I I do care about ticket sales because I care about the people on stage yeah. so I know that if they have a a, a smaller audience that it's going to be a harder show for them um and that distresses me because uh, I do because I do care about the people that I tech for I I have I have a 100% hit rate in enjoying the company of the people that I uh, nice. am, do, am teching for an Edinburgh show for. Yeah. I, I've, I've yet to meet and tech for a, uh, an Edinburgh show where I thought the person was an arsehole. Right. So in may, that, maybe I'm lucky or maybe just there are not many arseholes. I'm sure there are a lot of arseholes. <laughs> uh, the thing yeah. is though, you don't want to annoy the tech. You don't don't annoy the tech yes, I've got Buy a the tech a drink, guys. <laughs> Espresso martini, please, to keep me awake for the next show. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no, and I, but I I love it. Pe- people ask me. Uh, there's 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 one question that I get asked quite a lot, which is um, about
0: getting bored of shows. Do you uh, do you get bored of shows?
1: No, I don't. <laughs> um, and I think this is partly because because I do enjoy the 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 company and the skills of the people that I tech for. But like people like um, uh, Sarah Pascoe is a really interesting one because she is she writes a show almost kind of word for word, and she is an incredible performer that she she performs that show, unless she's made a conscious decision I think to change a joke or a delivery or something like that. Uh, her show is almost like like. Uh, uh, so accurate, 20, you know, twenty-five shows in a row, um, and just does it absolutely perfectly to this the, the show that she's written and created. And she, I mean, she's. A, a, I'm not a huge fan of stand-up, but Sarah Pascoe's is an exception because she's she's so clever. She, <laughs> she, um, uh, she she puts jokes in between jokes, yeah. and I think uh, if you're an audience who's only seen the show one time, that. It's so dense with so dense with uh, uh, information and and jokes and, and and one-liners in between other stuff. It's so dense. I th- I feel like sometimes you need to see a show more than once to see it all, like everything that it's got. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sarah, yeah, like I say, Sarah is a, an extreme example because because she, she's uh, so clever. But then. With Sarah's show, I, I, could, I could take the show twenty times in a row, and on the twentieth performance, I would notice another joke. Yeah. Be like, how have I not seen that? I've got a, <laughs> like I've almost got a script in front of me that <laughs> I'm following, following almost word for word to, to to get make sure my cues are on time and that sort of thing. And uh, and I'm still still noticing yeah. the, like these little kind of uh, bits that she's inserted in between other bits. Yeah. She's extraordinary, though. I don't. I don't know if that's the thing that a lot of stand-ups do, because I don't. I don't take for stand-up. Yeah. Stand-up doesn't require a technician most of the time, because um, it's frequently a person with a microphone. Yeah, uh, that's
0: the standard. Yeah,
1: li- lights go on. They talk for an hour. Then the lights go off um, with a bit of music. Uh, the reason I did ended up taking for Sarah was uh, was the year she did it was a show called Sarah, Sarah Pascoe the Musical oh, right. uh, and it had a lot uh, within the, within what is essentially a stand-up routine it had uh, songs with, that some, some were her playing guitar and some were live backing tracks and they had to be kind of yeah. uh, absolutely spot on in a sentence for it to work oh, As, right, yeah, a yeah. sentence would become a song and then stop being a song and, be, and resume the sentence she's so clever <laughs> she's so clever <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah so that's, that's why I ended up taking her show for a few years um, yeah she was amazing um, I forget what I was saying oh it was about getting bored of shows no I don't I think because part of it um, is because I love the people um, and I think they are good uh, uh, so I get, I get to see an amazing comedy show every day uh, or 7 or 8 depending on what year of Edinburgh it is <laughs> but also but, uh, a lot of the people I work with also are looking into the improv Part of things as well. So, uh, teching shows like uh, Massive Dad, I think they've all, yeah, I think all, all three of them have now uh, delved into the world of improv. Uh, Lazy Susan, they all have. Um, Went on teching for people like solo shows like uh, Carriad or Rachel. Um, you know, th- these are all people who have improv things. So, there's, there's this kind of beautiful thing that I get to see when they deviate from uh, what they've scripted or what they've written. Yeah. Um, and that's that's just a really fun part for me uh, to to see them when, when when they love their show or when they're comfortable with their show so much that they can uh, jump out of the show that they've written. Yeah, and that that's just lovely. I I love being there for that. I love yeah. seeing that. You know, like like improv, um, uh, that performance is the only time that that gets seen.
0: Yes
1: does happen sometimes in scripted comedy as well yeah. where that perform that performance is the only time that uh one of the audience members was a four-year-old child who bought a balloon that blew up that exploded halfway through the show and that led to yeah. the next 10 minutes or whatever <laughs> um that <laughs> that, <laughs> that improv show is the only show where um a magpie emerged from nowhere and attacked me the technician <laughs> uh yeah that sort of thing that did happen in a
0: show in edinburgh That happened. That's one of my favourite stories about him. Because some people tell me these things, and I'm like, "Oh, did that really happen?" They went, "No."
1: No, I was attacked by a magpie
0: during an an ostentatious show. You were heckled. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the ultimate heckle. Um, (laughs) If if, if, if birds are turning on you, that is a criticism.
1: (laughs) So it was a. It was a. um, uh, It was. uh, It was a show at the Counting House, where the tech desk was next to the stage at the front of the room, and I was I sat at the side of the stage watching the show. And towards the end of a show, a show which had included a lot of um, uh, 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 like game hunting, I think uh, Graham and Andy, I think it was, were two characters who who hunted game throughout the show. So they were they were doing a lot of scenes where they <laughs> yeah. had shotguns shooting birds out of the sky. And in almost the last scene, which was I think it was a wedding uh, between two of the characters, um, I was watching the watching this scene happen, yeah. and I was just suddenly aware of the entire audience going. <gasps>
0: <laughs> and then
1: a split second later it, like I didn't know what the fuck was going on uh, but I was being attacked by a magpie wow yeah it was sort of flapping all around me. My- I've got a bit of a bird phobia or whatever well what, if you didn't um, you do now yeah yeah so I I leapt from the tech desk onto the stage <laughs> <laughs> in front of the audience um, which uh, I it, imagine kind is of such- sort of slightly hyperventilating um, and then the cellist Carol um uh, who is sort of like this uh, she she does a lot of she she 's a naturist is that the right one she 's not naked a naturalist Na- yes she 's a naturalist um uh was able to sort of go and grab the magpie and then took oh. it outside uh, and let it and let it free but this this magpie must have been in the room for like an hour and a half <laughs> before it made itself just sitting behind a curtain or something before it decided the, to, to the, it decided for the final scene to just <laughs> But swoop over the heads of the audience I'm going to save uh, it I'm going to save it I've only got
0: one entrance I'm going to save it for the big scene at <laughs> yeah. the end I'm not going to waste it early yeah, on
1: yeah it had an eye for theatrics <laughs> those magpies they're such beavers <laughs> <Divas. laughs> such, such broad treasures yeah. Um, yeah that was cool that's one of my that's one of my most enjoyable improv stories the other is when I uh, seduced an MP uh, I d- I d- <laughs> I've got to get this in um, so so <laughs> Otherwise, 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 the podcast will be over, and I'll be sad not to say it. So I was, um, it's just, uh, uh, so there's, uh, I was over in Edmonton in Canada doing the 50 hour improvathon, performing, um, and uh, it was the, the setting of the, the the improvathon was the Canadian general election, which was, you know, a, a few days off happening. This is when you know the, the most recent one when Justin Trudeau was elected. Um, so the setting was the election. I played Donald Trump um, because I didn't know anything about Canadian politics, um, and uh, but I, I I could put a Donald Trump cons- costume together. So I ended up playing Donald Trump for 50 hours. The 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 MP for Edmonton is a this incredible woman called Linda Duncan, and uh, and and she's the um, the NDP. Uh, MP, she's she's basically like in charge of Edmonton, the city, which is this amazing woman. And she, clay, she came and played in the show. <laughs> uh, she's she's really supportive of the arts and stuff because because uh, uh, they do that in Canada. Um, they they, <laughs> well have, done, Canada. they, they have politicians that care about that sort of thing um, in charge. Um, so she came and played for a shift. She was in the show for two hours, and uh, so which, which two hours? It was. I don't. I can't remember exactly. It was, a, it was around hour forty-ish, I think. Um, and, uh, and my my Donald Trump character had become the sort of Lothario, so it had dated quite a few of the other characters. Um, so so Dana Anderson, um, the director, put me as Donald Trump in a bar with Linda Duncan. Um, and uh, I ended up we we, dis- we discovered in the previous uh, episode that I had an illeg- illeg- illegitimate daughter uh, from an unknown woman. Um, so I was like, "This is perfect." Uh, so I uh, so I basically uh, said to the li- in 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 the scene I said, "Oh, our, our daughter." The first the first line of the scene was, "Our daughter's been asking about you." Um... Uh, which is probably the line that has got most reaction of anything I've ever done on stage because <laughs> the audience went fucking mental um, because Linda Duncan is also the like the left wing like really left wing politician yeah. uh, now and now it turned out that Donald Trump and her had, had a child wow. uh, yeah so we, so we ended up have, like having having this big seduction scene this uh, linda i i don't know how old she is i'm thinking She's in her late sixties, early seventies, maybe. Sorry, Linda, if that's wrong. <laughs> um, uh, Donald Trump. does So, so we ended up having this big seduction scene that involved that ended with Donald Trump um, going off stage with uh, Linda Duncan, going going backstage with Linda. Wow. But I, yeah, 65. but it was just, but she was amazing. She was just so she was she was so up for everything. She was so enjoying her experience of being thrown onto stage with these uh, idiots who were doing. A 50-hour show. Uh, so, so, what yeah, is, what is,
0: what, is uh, what is your seduction technique <laughs> <laughs> through the filter of Donald Trump? Obviously, that's not the same person. God, I can't
1: remember. It was about hour 40. Oh,
0: um, you know, it's definitely not something I've uh, done in real life, um, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> or managed in real life. <laughs> um, you know, just some of our some of the listeners, you know, might like to have a few. Tips. some dating tips some from dating Donald tips. Trump. <laughs> uh, I think I think
1: genuinely if, they, if if Donald Trump was doing dating tips it would be like assume that they're into you. Uh, make in fact make a huge series of assumptions. Uh, <laughs> I've, that got aren't based on fact. I've got people I've got people that are I've, they're telling me you're enemy. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, Puerto Ricans are really into. they're not Donald they hate you you're a terrible racist Uh, uh, yeah I think mainly I think and this yeah mainly I think I guess Donald would seduce people by assuming that they're already seduced right Um, yeah I can't remember the specifics of the scene but I do remember being like uh, uh, just being just being like uh, sort of enchanted by this woman who was you know she's a high level MP but she's absolutely like, no, I'm gonna get stuck into this. This is really fun. And she, yeah, she was amazing. She was amazing. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Sounds
0: amazing. Yeah. Uh, good for her. Cool. Right. So, big finale. Big question. Sure. Big big last question. All right. Um, so, we love improv. Improv is amazing. We do. We love improv. Lights. we love the technical side of improv we love it all yeah so what would you like to see more of in the improv world if you were made king of improv uh
1: i uh two things i think um which are quite connected one is more variety think and it, that does sound a little bit snide but i, d- I definitely don't mean it to um it's um because i'm really excited by a bunch of different types of improv and my life has only ever been improved by discovering the next the, the next new thing yeah um and 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 the my experience with P-graph is a really is sort of the, a, a pivotal moment in that where As went, it was for many people in the London absolutely yes. and quite rightly so because because <laughs> like you know it'd be it might have been a couple of years I suppose before I, I uh, came across them so I, I by that time had done uh, short form stuff I'd done Harold stuff I'd done long form stuff and I'd done musical stuff um, and and this and, and and I'd seen a bit of genre stuff because that was at a time when ostentatious had just started uh, doing you know co- essentially a costume drama improv show. So and then I bumped into this group who uh, the first uh, they were doing they were doing a four show uh, circle. they were doing four shows in Edinburgh, but alternating and the first one I saw they did a grim fairy tales show, which was just brilliant and they were so accomplished and so comfortable on stage doing this art form that I hadn't I don't think at that point you know this is seven or eight years ago. I don't think at that point I'd seen. A group so comfortable on stage doing this totally unpredictable art form. So I saw them the first night. I uh, saw them do the Grim Fairy Tale thing, and I was like, right, I've got to go. And, and at the end of the show, they were like, thanks very much. Um, we're we're doing uh, one of our other shows tomorrow, and then we're cycling these shows. So the next show, I saw. I went back the next day and saw them do. I think the next show was uh, a show that they do called Villainy, which is uh, where they play for scares instead of laughs, and they oh, right. and they look they really hunt for kind of dark, gruesome material in their improv. Wow. And up until that point, all improv had been comedy for yeah. me, uh, and they were really mining stuff that wasn't comedy, which was so unusual. And then I went back the next day, and they did um, a format I can't remember the name of that format, but it's uh, it's a 50s screwball comedy right. thing. And each time they were they they had costumes for that show and each show was different in in various ways both in terms of the format and the way that they told stories um, and it was it was four people who were so in sync with each other and that and that was really a step change for me because improv stopped improv stopped being just comedy then and became uh and the, and it opened up the options of theater as well so i think so so one of the things i want to see more of is more variety in exploring other things that improv can do, I think we've started doing that in London, and they've started doing that in places like uh, I was in Bristol last week and saw Murder She Didn't Write, oh, yeah. uh, the guys of the Brit, which is just just such a good show. Yes. Um, um and the, so I think people are exploring what else improv can do, but I'd like to see more of that because um, that excites me. Uh, and the other thing I, which is sort of related, is um, I'd like to see more association between the different schools of thought oh, yeah. so we've now got I, I guess four major schools in London school or schools of thought in London Mon- Monkey Toast, Free Association Nursery, Hoopla and I suppose the May the Days are doing bits and pieces up here as well although they're concentrated in Brighton I'd, I'd like to see more integration I, I think what I'd really love to see is a big improv festival happen in London um, that all of those schools take part in, so that, because I, I think there are probably there are probably students of say Monkey Toast who might not be aware that Hooper exists, or might not be aware that, uh, uh, you know, uh, people in the FA might only see that style of comedy, or that style of improv, uh, and uh, and maybe missing out on uh, narrative improv or something. So, uh, and I think, like, we all benefit by sharing these ideas. Yes. Um, and I, so I'd love to see more, yeah, more cross pollination, I suppose, and more encouragement of that by each of the schools. I think Steve's very good at that. Yeah. Uh, at Hoopler, I think he's he's really good at uh, uh, encouraging people to seek out uh, new styles and new civilizations, <laughs> uh, and to boldly go where no improviser has gone before. Yes. um yeah uh, but I don't think that's commonplace and I'd like to see more of that I get really excited by by other people's styles styles that doesn't I like going I really like going to see shows that don't get me off as a performer but get me off as a member of the audience Oh, right yeah, yeah, yeah. and or or, or or even shows that don't get me off as a member of the audience but I can appreciate that um, that they that they've worked on it and that it does appeal to a lot of people and that it is clever. I don't want to I don't want to perform that style, but I want it to yeah. exist. Yeah. Um, because there are lots of people because it's totally subjective. <laughs> why should Why should every improv show be for me? Um, if I don't like it, that's fine. There are seven hundred thousand other people that do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's that. I'd like more encouragement of going to seek out other improv being. Uh, part of it, yeah. I guess I think those are my two favorite, like, main things that I'd want. You know. Also, like a couple of improv theaters. Austin's got four improv theaters, uh, and it's uh, but it's a city of you know only nine hundred thousand people. We're a city of eleven million people, and we don't have one permanent improv theater. And I think that's a shame. Um, I uh, talk, when you, if you go to Io and talk to the guys that made Io. Uh, it was they. They say it was the it was the creation of their own space. It was creating of the first improv, io improv theatre. There w- was the like a switch. Suddenly yeah. they had their own base. They could do what they want. They weren't limited by time. They weren't limited by licenses. They weren't. Uh, they had their own space to run workshops and shows and rehearsals um, to program every night to do what they wanted to. Um, yeah, and they're doing that at the hideout. you know all the all the like, loads of improv theatres across America with much smaller cities, and we are we are a bit behind with that kind of thing. Partly in London due to costs of, yeah. uh, of land in London, but uh, we we will get there. There's a lot of people working towards it, and the guys in Bristol have made it happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so we we will get there, but uh, just you know. When, uh, when, when, when somewhere becomes affordable one of, one of us will go I'm
0: buying it and then uh, and then make a theatre
1: and it'll be amazing yeah, yeah. brilliant cool Jonathan
0: Funkhouse Monkhouse hello thank you very much for being on my podcast
1: thanks very much for having me I'm going to go and listen to it <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all we ask yeah 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 I made this That's improv! (laughs)